you have made the serious mistake of tuning into Talkin' Tuscaloosa with Jimmy and Luke. On an almost weekly basis, Jimmy and Luke discuss the latest sports happening at the University of Alabama, and if you are especially unlucky, they might review a movie or tell you something that happened in their pathetic lives. Now, without further ado, to misinform you about Alabama football, here are the idiots, Jimmy and Luke. Hey everybody and welcome into Talking Tuscaloosa. Luke Robinson along with Jimmy Stein. As always, Jimmy, how are you today? You know who's back? What? Me and me, us and football. All three of us. Oh man, it's it's really it's really really sounds good coming out of your lips when you say it that way. Thank you. Uh yes, we are eleven days away from practice. We are less than what, six weeks from actually kicking off the football. We've gotten past media days. We've gotten past summer magazine season. We have somehow gone, I think, probably the most scandal-free offseason I can remember. I mean, maybe a couple of transfers here and there, nothing that was a really big problem. Uh, Our kids have been well-behaved. Football's here. We're predicted to do well. We're going to be very good. The Saban dynasty will roll on. Here's, Here's my first question of the day. Ready for this? This is a good one. It's about the end of the dynasty. And, and again, I don't think we're in the end. If Alabama doesn't make the playoff, let's say even because Alabama finished 11 and one and didn't go to Atlanta or, or went 12 and 0 and got to Atlanta and lost. But if Alabama is not in the playoff, do you consider the dynasty over? I do not, but I'm asking you. Um, yes. The dynasty is over. Let me okay. tell you why. Because I, I shouldn't. And I mean, it, it's, it's yes. You know, what's that old thing Reverend Lovejoy and the Simpsons said? Long answer is yes with a but. Short answer is no with an if. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, that's just awesome to me. Uh, uh, but anyway. Um, Ned Flanders on the phone. He probably stepped on yeah. a bug. <laughs> We were doing um, me and some. Oh, well, you were on that text chain where we were doing the office quotes. Oh, I mean, yes, those are so good. Where uh, the one was where, uh, afternoon. Michael declares bankruptcy and he just walks out of the <laughs> office and goes, "I declare bankruptcy." And then the next scene is Oscar talking to him and saying, "That you know that's not how this works, right? You can't just scream out I'm bankrupt and all your debts are forgiven." Anyway, um, the reason I say, where'd you go? year is going to be such a thorn in the scrotum as far as schedules go. I mean, next year we welcome USC. Now, USC is still not USC circa early 2000s, but they are still more talented than Duke, I would say. Um, We also welcome in Georgia. We welcome um, an Auburn team with a more experienced quarterback. Auburn will have some problems, but they will have an experienced quarterback one way or the other. We travel to, to LSU uh, we travel. A and M is going to be even better. Yeah, we travel to Tennessee. They can't help but be better. Um, you know, we travel back to Ole Miss, which yeah, we've we've won there the last couple of times in pretty impressive fashion. But at the same time, they're going to be better. What my point is, everybody's going to be better, and we're going to be breaking in a whole new receiving core, except for Jalen Waddle, probably. Hopefully, Mechie is as good as advertised. But um, we'll be breaking in a new quarterback. 
Uh, I'm not saying running back will be a problem, but if we all assume Najee Harris is our bell cow this year, we'll be breaking in a new running back. Um, we'll be we'll be depleted in defense again. Now we've recruited well. I'm just saying we're going to be restarting in a way that's different next year, especially in conjunction with the harder schedule. So I'm not saying it, it's so it, it's really kind of a landmine uh, question because. If the only answers are yes or no, again, I have to go yes right. with a but, but, but no with an if. I mean, so what you're saying, and 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 I think it's a, a good answer. You're saying is, well, if we don't make the playoff this year, it is the end of the dynasty because if you don't make it this year, next year looks doubtful. I mean, it, 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 next year, and if you don't make the playoff two years in a row, now we can say that the dynasty is over. Um, we're jumping out of treetops if you do that. I mean, there are people. And it's funny because I, I have some other friends of mine that do a show called the Auburn Blitz, and um, they were talking today about how you know they're so tired of seeing Alabama and Clemson in the playoffs. And I was like, well, you know, there's a simple solution to that. Y'all ought to try beating somebody. Um, <laughs> but you know, and my point is that I know this is going to end. I'm not. I'm not ready for it to end yet. Um, and I don't think it'll end this year. I think we will definitely make the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, if we don't make the playoffs this year, given the schedule and and given what we return, I, I think some people are going to be very uh, leery of the next couple of seasons, yeah. I feel confident of making the playoff under a couple of different scenarios. I'll talk quickly because I think the scenarios are sort of simple, but I, I think we make the playoff most likely. One, you know, we, we get, I, I feel like we'll be in Atlanta. And I think if we're Atlanta 12 and 0, we're probably in the playoff, whether we win or lose against Georgia, probably. But I think we'll probably win. Here's another playoff scenario. We finish the season 11 and 1 with a loss to whatever it is, LSU or AM. And there, then they win the West. And they win the West. Wait a minute, say that again. It lost to who? If, if we could lose to LSU or AM yeah. and, and finish 11 and 1. And, and they win the West, but I think we could still – still. it's going to depend on what happens in the other games and the other conferences. But I think we could still get in the playoff, even 11-1, not in Atlanta, uh, depending on other games and how, how other things shake out. We'd need a lot of help in that scenario. But I think we're in the playoff this year, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident about that, unless we go to Atlanta and us and Georgia are 12-0 and and we lose to Georgia – and all the other conference champions are are unbeaten. We could get left out, yeah. um, but but I, that hasn't happened before. I don't think it's going to happen now. I think as usual, there's more parity than people think, and and most everybody's going to have one loss, not be unbeaten. Uh, and, and you know, and I think Clemson, who stands the best chance of going unbeaten of anybody because of their schedule. I know this sounds nuts, but I looked at Clemson's schedule in a different light. Let me tell you. I see two games that are impossible for them to lose, but I see 10 games where, yes, Clemson's going to be a double-digit favorite in probably every one of them, but those 10 teams have a pulse. I mean, Clemson has Clemsoned in the past. Now, I think they're they're a lot less likely to do that now, but you're also talking about a team that has had some close calls. They've almost lost to NC State. They were losing to Syracuse a year ago, they almost lost that game to Texas A&M. And we're talking about a national championship Clemson team. We don't know that next year's team is a national champion. They almost lost to Pittsburgh. So I'm just saying that 
I, I think it's it's a lot harder to go undefeated than people know. Uh, I, I get so frustrated with our fans that mock the idea that we could lose a regular season game when, in fact, we've done it most of Saban's years. And when you count up the Saban years and the Bear Bryant years, 25 years of Coach Bryant, 12 years of Nick Saban, what's that, 37 years of football, how many times did we finish undefeated? About four times? That's true, but I, now I would times. say this. I would say this. We've gone undefeated in the regular season two out of three years, two out of the last three years, and I didn't even, even dawn on me just, just now. Yeah, yeah. and we've and then we've lost in the playoff. Yeah, and uh, that is, that's true, too. And I also thought about this last night. Maybe nobody else finds it interesting. I'm pretty sure we're the only team in the SEC that has played in all three venues of the SEC championship game, the Georgia Dome, the Mercedes Dome, and um, and Legion Field, right? I mean, Florida didn't play in the right. Mercedes Dome yet. That's right. We're the only ones that have done that. that I mean, that's it's not exactly a, a, a huge feather in the cap, but I just thought it was kind of interesting. I remember saying this a summer ago, and I wish I could pull it up because it would have sounded so smart because I only say smart shit about one time a year. But I do remember saying last summer, and I'll say the same thing this summer because it, it's still a applies and it ended up proving true last year i remember because it was so in, smart in, you think it's too summer worthy it's well worthy it's so summer it's so smart it would shock it's it's worthy of of, of consecutive summer repeats and, okay. and i was right last year you know even though this isn't great news and i'm sure it was roundly booed uh you know as oh, people hell. listen to the podcast it was roundly booed but it proved true and that's this because we're such big favorites to win all the regular season games, we're going to be double-digit favorites in every game, even at AM, against LSU, against even at Auburn. We're going to be double-digit favorites, and we're probably going to win every game by double digits. I agree with all that. But what that means, Luke, is we go into Atlanta 12-0, and right. which means once you get there 12-0, there's only one path to the national championship, and that's winning all those games. So we finished 12 and 0, then we beat Georgia and Atlanta. We did last year too. Then we beat somebody really really good in the semifinal. We did that last year. We play the best team in the country that's not Alabama in the final. And what I'm telling you is no one finished 15 and 0 in history until last year when Clemson did it. And this is what I remember saying last summer. Look, Clemson has a better chance to finish 15 and 0 than Alabama does cuz Clemson's had an easier path to get there. Not at the very end, but all through the season, they have an easier path to 15-0. and 0. And I felt the way the schedule set up is, hey, Alabama, if you want to win the national title, you better go 15-0. and 0. And I just felt like last summer, I'm like, gosh, even with Tua, even with all this exciting stuff, 15-0 and 0 is just, it's too hard to do. And yes, if we lose to Clemson, Clemson did it. But hell, I would like Alabama's chances to go 15-0 and 0 too if we just got to play eight pillow fights against ACC teams yeah. and, and then go play pit in the, in the championship game, we'd go into the semifinals and finals fresh instead of beat to hell and back like we were. And I'm, I'm not making excuses. Clemson was a national champion last year. They whipped our ass and I don't like excuse making and I'm not excuse making. They were the deserving national champs. We were the second best team last year. I'm just saying this year, same thing applies. I'm going to predict this year that we're going to do it. I'm predicting 15 and 0. I think we are going to win all the games. I not only think that, I think we'll be considered the greatest team that's ever played college football. That's what I really think about this year's team. Greatest team that's ever played college football, Alabama, in 2019. But, gosh, we're the only team that has to win them all because I I have a hard time believing that 
yeah, we'll beat Atlanta. Uh, I mean, we'll beat Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson at the end, but we're going to lose to, what, LSU? A&M? I mean, it yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. I, 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 I'm more – put it this way. I'm very confident of 12-0. and 0. I'm less confident of 3-0 and 0 in the postseason. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I should have said it that way. No, I, no, I think that's that makes a ton of sense because what, what people discount is the fact that once you get into the playoffs, people feel like they have, um, you know, a renewed a second chance on life and they may treat it with a little more vigor. Uh, now, yeah. that being said, Clemson sure vigored all over our asses uh, last yeah. January. But, the, you know, when you were talking about uh, a rather scandal-free – offseason and that's true for the most part although jaron reed did get a six-game suspension in the nfl today which is apropos of nothing in terms of what's going on in alabama today but i I hate it for him um by the way he was never arrested or even charged with a criminal offense of this um the nfl is just taking a hardline stance on some of the domestic violence even accusations but um all right the clemson and bama trash talk of late where it all started with dylan moses really saying he felt Georgia was the the toughest opponent, and look, I, I wouldn't have said it. I wouldn't have said it like that. I, even if he thinks it's true, I wouldn't have said it. That being said, what do reporters always complain about at these events? Nobody ever is all coach speak or player speak. Yeah. And, no one ever so, says what they really want to say, and then they do, and then they jump all over. And I, then I just Clemson me. retorts with, "Well." Um, Notre Dame was the toughest team we played. And then another player came out and said, no, Texas A&M was the toughest team we played. The Texas Texas A&M team that we beat soundly enough. So, I mean, it's all gotten so stupid. And then it's also coupled with the fact that Nick Saban said some things about, hey, I didn't think some of my coaches had the game uh, on their mind. They were thinking about other things. And you know what? Saban gave plenty of credit to Clemson after the fact and even probably a month or so after the fact. Now Saban's the kind of guy that's like, okay, we got our asses kicked. There's no denying that. End of story. What? Why did that happen? And he was telling you why it happened. And people think it's excuse making. It's not excuse making. It is telling you, hey, this has never happened to me at Alabama before. A, a beating that soundly. So there had to be a reason, right? It, it would defy logic and reason and statistics if there weren't some underlying reason and he was trying to pinpoint the reasons and he thinks he did. So he'd made some changes. I have a, yeah, yeah all, all true. And, and the media would be if wants Saban both kept all those same coaches, media, yeah, all those coaches yeah. and said, okay, even though they had their minds on other things, um, I decided to keep them around. Cause you know, I'm scared to death of losing these guys. I don't think Nick wants another offseason like the last two where he has to change out the whole coaching staff. I personally think that wears him out way more than recruiting or coaching or the grind of the season. I think he gets very frustrated in January when we're, when he when he wants to be focused on recruiting and instead has to spend all that time hiring a, a whole new staff. I think he's very frustrated by that and don't want to do that again. My, my take, and, and this could be 100% wrong, but this is just my read of 12 years of Nick Saban is this. When Nick gets that microphone, whether it's media days or press conferences, he's rarely talking to the media or answering their questions. 
he's usually talking to someone else. Sometimes it's his players. Sometimes it's the fans. Sometimes it's his coaches. Sometimes it's people around him. Sometimes it's his agent. I mean, Nick, Nick uses that microphone as a weapon better than anyone that's ever done it in the history of this game. And, and he uses it as an opportunity to improve his football program and his team. And I think when Nick says – Last year's team had a bunch of coaches that weren't focused and they're all worried about their next job and they weren't all focused on what they should have been. And we had too many players uh, thinking about going to the NFL and not thinking about what we had to do to be Clemson. I don't think Nick is chastising the 2018 team. I think he's talking to the 2019 team. I think he's telling the coaches that we have in place right now, look, you got to focus on what you're doing here or it's not going to work out for you. That opportunity that you think is come because notice that who got a head coaching job last year? One guy, one guy did just Mike Loxley. I think what Nick is telling these coaches is, look, if you don't focus on what's going on here and we don't achieve something here, then there's not going to be an opportunity for you to move up in this profession. So you need to be focused on what's going on here. And I don't want to spend a whole nother year replacing you know, uh, seven guys on my staff again, because you're all trying to pile out the door. And when he talks about the juniors looking at the NFL, he's talking to this group because we have an unprecedented number of juniors that are going to be considering making that jump this December. And and Nick's talking to them. Hey, you got to focus on this team first. That's what's going to improve your stock at the next level. If you play like shit because all you care about is who's going to be your agent, where are you going to get drafted, then you might as well you know, get, get ready for the second and third round because that first round's not going to be there for you. So, In other words, I just think when the media is chastising Nick for excuse making, I don't think he's making an excuse for 2018. I don't even think that's his real take on what happened. I think he's talking to the 2019 coaches and players so he has their complete attention this year. That's no, I'm, I'm right there with you. That certainly makes the most sense. Um, let's talk a little bit about some commits we've gotten over the past. I mean, you know, we've been sort of on again, off again. I mean, we've, we've been a bad couple. We've, I mean, yep. I think therapy. Separated. We've been separated. We've been separated. But we found out that we need to be together. I'm not seeing other podcasts, though. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> I... Mostly look, just because, like real life, if I were separated, nobody's taking me up on any offer. <laughs> and I'm not seeing any other podcasters either, but I do watch podcast porn. Oh, I, oh I'll man, admit to that. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'll, I'll admit to that. Have but you been that's to, not cheating. Have you been to pornpod.com? It's fantastic. <laughs> it's all free. Um, I, w- I went to pornpud.com. Pornpud? <laughs> yeah. You like watching, is that like fat people screw or what is that? <laughs> it's all podcasting. Okay. Hey, there's some other good Alabama podcasts. I've listened to a few. We're not the only, we're not the only great show in town. We're the best show because we're so freaking hilarious. Yeah. We're the best show for that reason. But yeah, there's some, there's some, some good ones. I'm surprised by a, a lot of, but that's what, you know, me and you are fans more than ESPN sports center anchors, but, uh, yeah, there's there's a handful of fans out there with uh, podcasts, not just uh, yeah. Not there's just me and you. Look what we started. Com came out with one like it's just called Bammers, which I, yeah. I I think is a brilliant title. I wish we had thought of it. Yeah, our name's stupid. People, our name is kind of stupid. We need a new name. Stupid. Yeah, we we we'll can't change up. it now though. Uh, Lawrence, uh, homework for you if you're actually if you actually edit this, uh, get in here, Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, like, like he's right over there at the control panel, you know. Uh. 
like I'm not actually at this two hundred dollar. You know what? Shitty it just hit me. What we should shitty house. <laughs> you know what just hit me? This is what we should have gone with. Ready for this? What? How do we not think of this? Talking with the gumps. Oh, gumping it up or something. You know, gumbo. <laughs> Some with gumps been good. <laughs> gumbo. <laughs> um. All right. No. Uh, talking Tusk. Talking Tuscaloosa. Like. Some, somebody, somebody, I'm surprised, we, you know, if we open it up for calls, somebody would say, uh, did y'all ever find that Python? <laughs> uh, you know what? It turns out that, that Python, it turns out Nick Saban had just left his flying zip all along. <laughs> he has a, what I'm trying to say is Nick Saban, I believe, has a giant schlong. Uh, 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 of course he does. <laughs> course he does. He's and a it, national it actually champion. Chokes, it chokes rodents that they, well, even Terry he Saban got asked about that. during the night to get rid of any rodents he may have at that. Some crazy writer somewhere asked Terry Saban if Nick was good in bed. Remember that? And she what? said, "Yeah, I'm serious. I'm <laughs> serious." Years ago, she was asked that, and I don't know what the exact question was, but she even said, uh, in her classic Miss Terry fashion, said, uh, "He's he is a champion in every way." Well, she said that to the media. That would be funny if, like, she had a ring presentation for him, you know, like, but no, um, a cock ring presentation. Um, but, uh, yeah, I probably went too far there, Lawrence. You can add on it. It's I'm already going to get murdered by Chris Cabs. I don't know why. <laughs> you only have a week to live anyway. I'll have, to, uh, I'll, have no. to, I'll have to marry one of these pod porn podcasters I've been seeing on the side while we've been gone. I wish she had said something like when somebody asked, is Nick Saban good in bed? She said something like, okay, you guys know he works 24 and a half hours a day, right? I never see him, yet I've stuck with him all this time, right? So he's got to be good at something at the house. So, anywho. Um, we were going to talk about the new commitments because we have a handful of new commits. Even a we quarterback. Do. Before we get into that, one more thing that people can People, what? Real quickly, I told this story because this story has happened since we last did the podcast. But um, I was at Orange Beach over Fourth of July, and uh, my kids were all there, all twenty-eight kids. And my my youngest son, Walker, who's like he can be kind of sappy at times. He can be sappy when he wants something, or he can be sappy because he's truly like emotional. And he was this time. He was truly emotional. He was tired. Been playing on the beach all day. I'm I'm laying there, you know, in bed with him. Uh, just telling him good night. And he said, dad, you know what? I love you. And I said, well, I love you Walker. And he said, no, I love you more. And I said, well, buddy, I love you more. And he said, dad, you're a wonderful father to two children. I have four children. <laughs> and I was thinking, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's saying like, he's one of the good two or the yeah. shitty two. I don't <laughs> That was my first. Did he consider himself one of the loved two, yeah. or, or or one of? I think from the tone of the conversation, I think he was uh, putting himself in the in the unloved yeah. pot. I feel like he. No, I feel like he feels loved, and he's like, you just don't think much of Truett and Sela, do you? <laughs> you're like, you're he's too like, young. You're too young to have cracked the code. Yeah, yeah. Who's who you been talking to, boy? <laughs> you just made the list. I'm a great father to one child now. <laughs> uh, anywho, oh, all right. Good. So let's go back to uh, commitments. We've got. Um, who you want to know got, about? In true Alabama fashion, we got one uh, for 2021, 
and we got one for this year. And the one for this year is somebody that probably a lot didn't have on their list in Timothy Smith. But if you boy, look yeah. at his profile picture, you will want him immediately. Yeah, he is. I tell you what, uh, and, and I've said this in the past when people think I'm making it up. I, I, it's an exaggeration, but it, it's a slight exaggeration. And that is, I, I think sometimes Nick Saban offers kids, he doesn't have to see them play. He, he eyeballs some, so just they walk into his office or he sees them on campus on an unofficial visit. And he's like, yeah, this, this is a guy I want. I, he can just look at him and go, I can teach this guy how to play football. And he's right, you know, 95% of the time. But Timothy Smith is one of these jumbo size defensive linemen. He's just massive for his age. I mean, you got to remember, yeah, he's class of 21. That means the last season of football he played, he was in the 10th grade. I mean, and, 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 and we've already married him. Uh, and, 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 you know, he's a true nose guard. You know, one thing about him a little bit like DJ Dale, um, who had a great spring for us, by the way, but I, I think with Timothy Smith, my, my only issue with the take is just to me, he's not an every down player. I might be surprised and maybe he loses some weight and becomes that. But to me, he's not an every down guy. To me, he is a run stuffing space eater, similar to Deron Payne, similar to DJ Dale, uh, uh, similar to Terrence Cody. I mean, a, a, a space eating nose guard. And while you do need a guy like that, I'm fine with taking him. My only issue with it is surely you don't take two in one class. And he's a lot like Jason Jones, the giant defensive lineman from Calera that's been committed to us for a long time. He's a lot like a defensive tackle that I felt we were leading for, McKinley Jackson from Loosedale, Mississippi. A lot like McKinley, too. So my only thing with Timothy Smith was um, I'm fascinated by the fact that we're like, okay, we want you. Now, does this mean we're not taking Jason Jones? Does this mean we're not taking McKinley Jackson? I don't know the answer to that. I would just say that because he's a specialty guy, a first down guy, a third and short guy, um, I, I don't know how many of those you take in one class. So that's what's interesting about Timothy Smith to me. I do not question the take in terms of his ability. I think he's a national top 150 player. I think that's a fair rating for him. I think he's a top 30 guy in Florida, no question, which means he's basically an automatic take. Uh, so I'm fine with where he's ranked, and I do think he's a a, a highly valued guy. Uh, I'm not totally knocked out, and I do question, okay, how many guys like him are we taking? Those are my only negatives with him. Now, if he gets to Alabama and loses 40 pounds of bad weight, adds back on 10 or 15 pounds of good weight, uh, he could be a Marcel Darius-type monster and be an every-down guy, but it's, it's, it's a hell of a lot to predict you know that that's exactly what's going to happen. But it certainly could. It did with pain. Oh, it definitely you know, did with pain. There's no doubt about it. But I, with yeah, Deron Payne, we, we basically we basically signed in Deron Payne. We basically signed Terrence Cody and ended up with Marcel Darius. Right. I mean, that's what that's what happened with pain. You know. Well, he is. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, if he another, could, and DJ Dale, by the way, has tweeted out a picture of himself. He's lost a ton of weight. So yeah, and and DJ and, and DJ Dale doing almost the same thing that Payne did. Or we signed him as a run stuffing nose guard, and and he is losing weight like Evan Neal to the point that you're like, dang, maybe this guy's an every down down lineman defensive end type like Darius, like Jonathan Allen, and he's going to play every down. I mean, it's amazing how uh, Scott Cochran he. 
he, whatever we're paying Scott, it, it's just not enough. He, he is, he just does a fantastic job of making our little guys bigger and our bigger guys smaller. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and then meanwhile, we've got a commitment from Drake May, uh, the quarterback cool, out of Charlotte and who has a lot of North Carolina bloodlines, but, uh, we took him over the, the other kid out of Texas, the other quarterback, it sounds like they were in a race to see who's going to commit first and, and may is first and, um, very highly rated quarterback. Um, and, and I think it's a good pickup. Yeah. Excited about him. Uh, didn't know much about him at all until he committed because, you know, such a young guy and who knows who the staff's going to fall in love with or decide to take it. But, but now I've, you know, thoroughly researched him, watched all the tape on huddle. I'm excited about him. I, I don't think he's, uh, quote somebody that I would say is one of our all-time quarterback commitments, but the upside is huge. Uh, the person I'm really impressed with is his dad, <laughs> who has three sons that not only are athletic enough where all three play major college sports, but his three sons played three different major college sports and did so at a powerhouse for each sport. Yeah, it's crazy. How- the triumvirate of is how does it get any bigger than Alabama football, North Carolina basketball, and Florida baseball? How does it get bigger than that? That is amazing to me. That man, you talk about a freaking athletic family. I don't know if I've ever even heard of anything like that. So that's just really cool. Uh, I think the thing to me about Drake May's upside that gets me excited is it's obvious from the take on his family. He's a extremely athletic kid that's a multi-sport guy. I think he plays basketball year-round and is clearly a good basketball player. To me, kids like that, you never really know how good they are until they stop playing basketball and focus solely on football. So I think Drake May, uh, his upside is vast. Uh, He is a big kid. He is very athletic. Not athletic in the sense that he's a running threat, but athletic in the sense that Here's one of those kids that I bet you, Luke, uh, is a fantastic, the, the best quarterback in the state of North Carolina, his age, who can pick up a baseball and throw it in the high 80s, pick up a bat, hit a baseball over the fence, uh, pick up a basketball, drain a three, dunk the basketball, pick up a golf club, and with no training at all, hit a golf ball 300 yards with a driver and then, then, then roll in a putt pick up a tennis racket and, and, and be able to play points with someone who spent a lifetime at the country club playing tennis. He's one of these guys, athletic. That oh, I, I was waiting to see how many sports you were going to go over that just, he could do. I, I don't know. He's going to pick up a bowling ball and he's going to be able to dunk it. <laughs> I should have I gone with that. I'm just saying he is extremely athletic, but not athletic in the track and field sense. I don't think he's going to run a 4 5 40 or or, you know, high jump, you know, 48 inches. I think he's just a, uh, a, a fantastic athlete when it comes to playing ball. And uh, he, he's so his upside is huge. Uh, I'd hope to be about he's just really young. So he's got his body yet. He's a little awkward because he hasn't grown into his ultimate size. But, uh, you know, I was hoping when I turned on the film, I'm like, I hope I'm about to see the 10th grade Jake from who I was extremely high on and high or the 10th grade Carson Beck, who, you know, who was committed to us, but it's not going to Georgia. I'm not out by how good Carson Beck is. Uh, I, I hoped I was going to see from that, but, but 
from you know, uh, you know we're, we're a little bit older when I saw this. Let's see what Wooms may after his junior year. I'm not going to be surprised from her as a dude. And I, I, I think I think we're about to see this fall how good this kid be. I'm sure, his tenth grade tape, you know. It's not the best 10th grade tape I've ever seen. It's certainly closer to the top than the bottom, but uh, he's, yeah, it's just tremendous. So to wrap up your recruiting report, Drake May, huge upside. Tim Smith, huge backside. <laughs> See, I could have done the whole freaking thing. In I know, I just summed it up, man. I'm, I'm, more, I'm in this Twitter universe Mother. now. I, I, don't, I only have so many characters to, to make shit happen, Jimmy. Um. All right, what else is well, going I'm, on? A, I'm a lawyer. I got, I got paid by the Anything word. Anything else uh, you got this going on that you want to discuss? Uh, Christian story also uh, coming ah, out. Ah, true. Us, this is a third a Christian story. Chris, yeah, we got another story about a kid named Christian Story. Uh, I've loved him from the start. Uh, sum that to sum that one up in in 4,800 words. Uh, you know, I do this thing. I talk about it all the time. But as soon as we sign a class on signing day, one of my favorite things to do over the years is. I, I go to uh, Rivals or 24-7 and, and roughly get an idea of the top 40 guys in state, in state, the top 40 uh, based on what I know and based on kind of where they're at in the composite. Uh, I kind of come up with roughly a list of 40, and over the course of about four days, uh, I, I watch all 40 of, of, of the kids so I can have my own opinion. So before I start ranking kids, before I start getting an idea of I make my own opinion based. Okay, here's 40, and I'm going to watch tape, and I'm going to rank them based on what I see on their junior tape alone. And uh, when I did that this year, my very first rough draft, I had Christian Story as a number two guy in Alabama. I mean, I I, I thought Christian Story is, is fantastic. I, I've liked him a ton. Uh, I love defensive backs who have a lot of experience playing offense, but they're physical. Because because you have to be physical, you can't play defense. But I see Christian Story on tape being a physical kid uh, that that has a lot of great football intangibles from playing the, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I, I think he can be a great center fielder as a safety. Also, think he could be a good in the box guy as a safety. So I like Christian Story. I don't think he's Mark Barron. I don't think he's Ha Ha Landon Collins. But I do think he is very, very good, and uh, I'm I'm very happy to get him. And again, at first blush, when I watch all the all the best guys in Alabama, I'm like, here here's the number two guy. Hey, well, who was your number one guy? I see Roy Dell Williams uh, when I watched Kate. Roy yeah. Dell Williams. I had as number one. But that doesn't mean that that's who I have today. I watch that tape, and that's how I rank them initially. And then I start moving them around for various reasons. Number one, being recruiting interest. I do have a lot of confidence in my own opinion, evaluating off the tape. But the fact is these coaches in college, they're privy to a lot more information than I am. And, you know, they're professional coaches and I'm just an idiot. When I kind of line them up how I like it, but then I start moving them around based on recruiting interest. And, hey, if I got a guy that I think is number six, but his offers are from Tulane, Southern Miss, and UAB, then I'm like, uh, I must have missed something. I'm, I'm moving him down. I must have missed something there. If I got a guy down there at 31 that's got, you know, Alabama, Tennessee, Ohio State, Michigan, I'm like, oh, well, must be something this kid I didn't see. I'm moving him up. You right. know, and I, so I just kind of 
move them up and down a little bit based on who their offers are from and who, who their recruiting interest is from. But I always start out with the base of, of what I think. And then the tiebreaker really is what, what I think. And I think in the end, my rankings are a, a combination of what I think with a lot of emphasis on the quality of offers these kids have. But gosh, sometimes in, in today's America, it's tough to figure out who's telling the truth and who's lying about their offers and who's exaggerating. And you know, and, and plus a lot of these offers aren't really offers and you have to, you have to kind of think your way through a lot of that. You know, it is, but um, you, you, in a broader sense about today's America at lunch today, the sound was off, but I'm, I'm looking up there and they, the Fox news is on the, on the TV at the, at the restaurant. And like the headline was waiting on Trump to discuss Mueller report again. And I'm like, why, you know, why is he doing this? It doesn't seem like he needs to. And I'm not going on a political rant. I mean, whatever. But if you can't look at politics today as a Democrat or Republican and just be sort of disgusted and sort of find it all hilarious at the same time, then then that's kind of on you. But they had had a quote, apparently, like underneath, you know, like they showed Trump and he's talking. Then underneath it was a quote that he just said. He was like, I really don't want to kill 10, 10, 10 million Afghanistan, <laughs> Afghanis. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that seems like something that anybody would say. Why would you even say it? But you were, you were talking about, you don't know what's truthful or what's right. I mean, that's, that's, that's the way it is in everything now. I mean, you just see that the, Uh, she made up or didn't make it all up. Some of it happened, but she was apparently in line at a grocery store and had too many items for the, the express lane. And some guy called her out on it and she went off and said, and then went on social media and said, this guy told me to go back where I came from. And I'm not going to take that from some, you know, white privileged, whatever, whatever. And it, the, so she in like a TV station, apparently arranged for them to confront one another the next day at the same grocery store. And so she was just sitting there letting the guy have it. Like, you can't tell me, and he goes, okay, well, first of all, I didn't tell you to go back where you came from. I told you to go in the other line because you have too many items. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> I'm Hispanic. <laughs> and, I mean, it was just, and he was like, third, I'm a Democrat. I'm on your side, man. What are you doing here? <laughs> so, I mean, it, was, it, was just, it was funny. The whole thing was so funny. And, it, I mean, it was like everybody's so quick to – tell you all these things and the same thing with recruiting. I mean, it's just a microcosm of all that. Everybody's so quick to, to make all these assumptions. And you know, the, how many people have had all these guesstimates about what Alabama's recruiting board and will look like in the first Wednesday in February or whatever. And it's not going to be anything like that. <laughs> Never is. Yeah. The, the only, the only, we should never be surprised as to what happened. The only surprise is, is that we still think we know what's going to happen. <laughs> that is, why, why do we think why do we think we know what's going to happen? We're all and, idiots. And we we all are idiots. And, and How do we have all, a society? I don't know. I think the politics could be easily summed up in about four words. And that's, you know, people are pretty awful. Oh, all people are awful. It's really. <laughs> people, are, people are awful. It's really that's, terrible. That's, that's, but, that's the way to sum it up. You know. Um, did you see LSU's new football facility mm-hmm. and the sleeping pods? And then a student for LSU tweeted out a picture of the actual library and it looks like something from a, uh, a condemned junior high. From the 60s. From does, the 60s. It really does. And, and somebody tweeted back to her like, oh, you're just jealous because you're not a, a, a athlete or whatever. And somebody tweeted back, which I thought was kind of funny. You're right. 
let's give all the money to football players. What the hell play? What the hell do libraries think they have any business being on a campus? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and I'm the most football of footbally I mean, guys. But even I'm like, okay, you guys might have gone over the edge. And if you were going to go this route, I wouldn't send out. This is why players come to LSU, and it's all about sleeping pods. If I were Nick Saban, I would just hold out my fing- my hand with a gauntlet like Thanos with all the rings in it and say, hey, this is why you come to Alabama. <laughs> I just kind of picture that, that story you just told. I just kind of picture, so there's this big, long table, and all the department heads at the university are at the table. You know, you got the president of the university running this meeting, and all the department's heads are there, you know, head of political, head of business school, head of arts and sciences, head of the engineering school, you know. And, and then, of course, you have Greg Byrne in there as the athletic director, and they're all sitting around, and the president's like, you know, I need to know what the problems are so we can get these fixed. And, and you know, the arts and sciences guy's like, well, you know, the plumbing in Tenor is pretty bad off, and – and it's always leaking. And then they go to the education. The education's like, I'm worried we have asbestos in the ceilings. As you go around, they get to Greg Byrne. It's like, well, uh, uh, we need more sleeping the marble. Yeah, the marble may be cracked. I mean, we were yeah, out of Cool Ranch Doritos last week for 10 minutes. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> but hey, uh, what the, as much as we've made, and it is pretty ridiculous that these athletic facilities at the SEC schools are the top. You were buffering like nobody's business. You were buffering like some kind of fluffer in a in a pod porn film. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's gotten so bad that like, it's not, your picture isn't even on, like my picture's never there. I'm, I'm the, I'm, what I say? I'm the neighbor on a uh, tool time or whatever that, what was that show? Home Improvement. Uh, but you are like, you're going in and out so bad. It's, it's crazy. Is you having bad weather? Well, we'll wrap, we'll wrap it up. Uh, although no, I mean, we, we did about 30 minutes ago, but maybe another one's rolling in. I'm just saying. I work at Alabama, and how it works at Alabama is Alabama's athletic. They, they don't take any money from the general fund. They don't take any money from the state of Alabama. The athletic department money in Alabama, the stuff that is spent on athletics at Alabama comes from money the athletic department makes, raises, or is gifted to Correct. it. The athletic department does not take money. Correct. It has nothing to do with that. All right, you've, you, you're permanently frozen now. I oh. mean, like, I am i can see you in the far right corner, and it's just you with an, a mouth agape. <laughs> now, now you're back. You're... I, hear, I hear you just fine. It's kind of weird. I know. I, well, we'll have to see how it comes out on the big show. Well, you know what's going to be it's a good time when to... Lawrence edits this? Maybe he can just – he can fill in, in the blanks of what he thinks you said. Like a like mad they do in the soap operas. When the daily soap operas, when they say – Bob is sick. His role today will be played by Ted. You know. <laughs> yeah. Today, playing Panicky Idiot number two is Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Uh, let's Roll let's go. Everybody. Let's, hey, we'll do this again next week. Practice starts next week. We're, we're all in for next week, so everybody hang with us, and Jimmy will continue to buffer. I will be buffering here all week, waiting for the next podcast. 
All right, see you, man. Thanks.